Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, Wanastainuhu, Wanastaghfiruhu, Wanuminu bihi, Wanatawakalu alayhi. Wanauthu billahi min shururi anfusina, wa min sayyati amalina, man yahdihillahu fala mudillalah, man yudlilhu fala hadiyalah. Wanashadu an la ilaha illallah, wanashadu anna muhammadan abduhu wa rasooluh. my beloved brothers and sisters, we praise Allah, we thank Allah, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Allah, and thus we say, Alhamdulillah. Nahmaduhu, we praise, we thank, we lovingly appreciate Him. Wanasta'inuhu, we seek His help. Wanasta'afiruhu, we seek His forgiveness. Wanu'minu bihi, wanatawakalu alayhi. We believe in Him and we trust and rely upon Him. And we seek refuge with Allah from the wrong within ourselves and the wrong actions in our actions. And whomever Allah guides, none can misguide. And whomever Allah lets astray, none can guide. And we bear witness that there is no ilah but Allah. There is no master but Allah. We are servants to none but Allah. There is no God but Allah. And we seek from Allah to shower his blessings upon his servant and messenger, sallallahu alayhi wa sallam, and many more, and many more, kathiran kathira. And as is usually the case, my beloved brothers and sisters, I ask you the same question that I ask every single time, that is for you and I to take a look at ourselves and ask ourselves, what is changing? Now that we're at the midpoint or just about the midpoint of the semester, ask yourself what has changed in terms of your prayers, what has changed in terms of your charity, what has changed in terms of your character, what has changed in terms of your generosity. Have these things increased or have they decreased or have they stayed the same? If they stayed the same, then you can assume that they will stay the same by the time we get to December. And if they stayed the same, you can assume that they will stay the same by the time we get to May. And then to September of next year, and so forth and so on. And what is the point, once again? That you and I control how much we want to change ourselves. There will be aspects within our lives, events within our lives, that will force us to change, like when you have a fundamental change of schedule, like when you have a first full-time job and it requires, to re, it requires you to reevaluate how to use your time. Or suppose you have a death of a loved one that affects you tremendously, and thus you decide to change yourself. Or you exhibit a tragedy, but otherwise, change doesn't happen automatically. Change does not happen on its own. Our tendency is to remain the same day after day, week after week, month after month. And one point I want us to think about, a question that I often have, I often receive from students in the office is, why is this happening to me? When we go through the struggles of life, you've heard me say many, many, many times that it is the design of this dunya that you will be hit with struggle. It's a guarantee that you will be hit with struggle. You cannot escape it. You can affect whether your struggles are big or small. We are taught that if you recite Ayatul Kursi, Surah 2, Surah 2, Surah Al-Baqarah, Ayah 255, Ayat Al-Kursi. If you recite it after your fard prayers, it will be a protection from you against at least big struggles. 
and make it your practice if it is not already your practice, after every farth prayer at the very least. But what are we saying? That you will be hit with struggle, but once again, you are not going to be hit with anything you cannot handle. And in some ways, that is the more important part, because some students have commented to me that when I tell over and over again that it's a guarantee you you will be hit with struggle, that actually increases their anxiety, even though my intention was for it to decrease your anxiety. But the bigger point is that Allah Ta'ala will never give you anything you cannot handle. And think about this in terms of your small struggles. Let's say you have class and you don't have a pencil or a pen if you take notes on paper. That is a small struggle, hopefully a small struggle for most of us, then what do you do? You don't start thinking, oh, woe is me. I don't have a pen, I can't do anything, your life starts falling apart, no. You immediately start looking for a pen. You might borrow a pen from someone. You might steal a pen from someone, but you should not. But the point is you will find a way to do your writing. That is the approach you should take with all the struggles that you get hit with. That no matter what hits you, you immediately go into the mode of looking looking towards resolving your situation. What happens when students come to my office immediately I go into analysis mode. You may not even notice it, but the second you walk into my office, I'm in that mode. I'm looking at your behavior, the things that you say from the moment you enter to the moment you sit down, and then everything you're saying after that. So even when I'm having what seems to be a normal conversation with you, how's life, what's going on, I'm actually studying to see what is the issue at hand. And then I am triaging, meaning, Is this an academic issue? Is this a theological issue? Is this a personal issue? And then from there, is this something that I am within my skill set capable of handling? And what is my point, my beloved brothers and sisters? It's constant nonstop analysis from the moment you enter the room to the moment you sit down and you and I are having conversations that seem to be on the surface pleasantries, but literally it's investigation right then and there. And then we get into more serious conversations. What's happening? How can I help you? And almost always, I've already figured out your issue before you share it with me. Not because there's anything special about me, but just from experience. And then from there, I'm continuing the investigation to figure out what can I give you that can help you with your situation. Is it a friendly moment of compassion? Is it a prescription on some actions? Many of you have given you my gratitude assignment, whatever it is. But what is my point? That's the same approach you should take with struggle. That the moment you are hit with struggle, your tendency is to start going into panic mode, but instead, go into investigation mode. And this is something that requires personal behavioral change, that whenever you're hit with struggle, go into behavior mode, go into investigation mode. Meaning what? Okay, what is the situation? How do I resolve it? Some situations you'll be able to resolve very shortly. Some might take a month. Some might take five to 10 years. That's the nature of struggle. But the point is, as quickly as you are able, go through the process of problem solving. Why? Because your natural tendency is going to be to go into fight or flight, 
to go into panic mode. And what else, my beloved brothers and sisters? Remember that any time you're hit with struggle, what else is taking place? Sins are being dropped from you like leaves falling from a tree. But to appreciate that, we need to have serious consciousness about our day of judgment. What happens every week when I'm asking what's changing and I speak about what's happening in Syria, what's happening in Afghanistan, what's happening in Iraq, what's happening in Somalia, in Myanmar, that I'm mentioning over and over again that many of our brothers and sisters in Islam, many of our brothers and sisters in humanity are being called back to Allah, seemingly ahead of schedule, though right on time, to begin their day of judgment. And remember this, we all know this, we've heard it so many times, but the ultimate purpose and destination of my life in worship of Allah is preparation for that day. And this is something that gets easier to think about when you start becoming an old man, old woman, because then you start realizing, okay, I've used so much of my life. I've said to many of you that, all right, I don't know how long I am scheduled to live. Maybe I'm scheduled to live 46 years, or maybe I'm scheduled to live 60 years, or maybe I'm scheduled to live 90 years. But let's say hypothetically I'm scheduled to live 60 years. That means I've already used three quarters of my life, which means most of you have used already a third of your life. And the second third will fly by much faster than the first third. Okay. The next 10 years will fly by faster than the previous 10 years. And the 10 years after that will fly by for you even faster. And next thing you know, before you realize it, you're my age. Okay. Which is a very good age to have, mashallah. But what am I saying, my beloved brothers and sisters? Keep that consciousness in mind also. So the first point is that when you and I are hit with struggle, Go as soon as you can into problem-solving mode. Okay. At the very least, to fight off the panic. And sometimes the panic is actually adrenaline. It's actually nervous energy rather than desperation. And the second point, really, really try to keep consciousness of the Day of Judgment because what else will that provide for you? It will remind you of the real big picture. And when you're hit with struggle, we are told that sins are falling away from us, but how can you make it a double benefit? When you are hit with struggle, keep saying, inna lillahi wa inna ilayhi raji'un. That indeed we are from Allah and indeed to him is the return. Because now what's happening, double benefit. On the one hand, you are losing sins. On the other hand, you're getting a reward. But if you can internalize the simple fact that, okay, we are going back to Allah. I am going back to Allah. I am going back to the source. The more you can internalize that, the easier it will be to deal with the stresses of life. I get hit with stress at least as much as anybody in this room. That's part of being human. But the question again, the real test is that when you're hit with stress, how soon do you turn back to Allah? And then from there, have conviction that Allah will help you. Okay. But to have that, you have to keep a good impression of Allah. Meaning, when you're going through struggle, make yourself think, okay, Allah Ta'ala is going to give me something good. Allah Ta'ala is going to give me something that will keep me happy. Allah Ta'ala will give me a cure. Have, make yourself have a good impression of Allah 
because what else will that do? It's automatically reward. What else will that do? It will ease your stress. And you're going to see good happen. And again, I've said this many times, all the things that I've gone through in my life, all the things I've put myself through in my life, and some of these uh, struggles have been immensely huge struggles, at least for me, maybe not for others, but the point is, I'm still standing here in one piece. MashaAllah, and all of you will also have that too, inshallah. Every single one of you will be hit with all kinds of struggle, and if Allah wills for you to live this long, inshallah he will, you will still continue in one piece. But what else are we saying here? Our ultimate goal in getting closer to the Day of Judgment, in the process of getting closer to the Day of Judgment, is the goal of just getting closer to Allah. That we are taught, this is in the Hadith Qudsi, that Allah Ta'ala loves nothing more than you and I do the Fard. He loves nothing more than that. And then we get closer and closer to Him as we do the Nafl. Now, do that as a practice. Like when some people over the past few weeks have been coming to my office with anxiety, the first thing I'm having them work on in some cases is their prayers. Now, I'm not saying that if you pray, all your problems are going to go away. Sometimes when people say that, it's actually harmful. But if you can make your prayers a regular practice, it will give you stability. If you can make your prayers a regular routine, at this time I have to do this prayer, at this time I have to do this prayer, at this time I have to do this prayer. When you make it routine, it contributes to your daily stability. You've heard this from me week after week after week. And if you can make your sunnas, your fard, your nafls, that is easier than just doing fard, 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 fard. Why? Because think about it. Shaitan wants you to give up. Shaitan wants to, you to skim off your deeds. So if all you're going to do is fard, that's what he's going to try to get you to drop. If you're going to make it all the way to nafl, then his goal is to get you to drop the nafl which means the sunnahs which are protecting your fard will still be there. And your fard will definitely still be there. But why am I saying this now? Because as you're going home, or some of you who are extra awesome, who are going on the retreat, take this time over the next few days to really put in effort to solidify your prayers, if you have not already done so. Now, having said that, let us take a moment and ask Allah Ta'ala for forgiveness. Wa akhir da'wana and alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. We seek blessings upon the Prophet. There's another point I want us to consider when we imagine deen. What is the overall theme here? It's not so much why are these things happening to me, but how do we imagine deen? And usually when we imagine deen, when we imagine religion, we imagine this huge list of rules that forces us to behave in a very, very constricted way. And that is not necessarily wrong at particular levels of deen. But when you go through the Qur'an, and we've made this point many times, when you go through the Qur'an, out of 6,000-some ayat, barely 500 
are rules, meaning less than 10% are rules. But so much of the Quran is focused on how you think, how you think about yourself, how you think about your relationships, how you think about the world, and of course, how you think about Allah Ta'ala. And so when I'm giving so many of us in this room the, the assignment to study and to read the Quran in particular ways, what is the real point? It's to get you to really focus on your thinking. One experience that I have when I'm teaching Dean, when I'm teaching to college students or when I'm teaching to grad students, is that overall, very frequently, I have to dumb down religion. Not because I'm smart, not because you're dumb, because you're not, mashallah, okay? but because we've been so conditioned to not use our brains when it comes to Dean. You know, I had this moment, I've shared in, in past khutbahs, that I was taking a class on a field called Ajarh wa Ta'deel. So this is a science of breaking or establishing the chains of isnads in hadith. Okay. And what was fascinating is that we were going through these books that are 500 years old, that are 1,000 years old, and the precision that these authors had was mind-boggling. It's easy for us to think that the prophet, peace be upon him, was a genius. Okay? He was a genius, but it's easy to think that because he's the prophet, peace be upon him. And it's easy to think many of the companions around him, many of the people around him, were geniuses. Think of all the narrations, whether we speak of Omar or Ali, may Allah be pleased with them, how profound they are. But then, in terms of the history of our scholarship, looking at these gigantic books, written by scholars of the past with no computers and with such precision required me at many times just to sit back and try to absorb the brain power that's in these books. And what am I saying? That it's in the history of our tradition that people are compelled, people are inspired to use their maximum brain power. Whether we speak of the hadith sciences, whether we speak of the legal sciences, whether we speak of the spiritual sciences, these are not just the works of a bunch of people from long ago, these are the works of people who are putting in the most excellence of their excellence in their work. And I've already called us many times to embody excellence in our classwork. And let me remind you again, if I find out that any of you are cheating, I will embarrass you publicly bigger than someone else I embarrassed recently. Anyway. So what I'm saying, my beloved brothers and sisters, is try to explore Deen. Friday, October 6, 2017, 2 p.m. Try to, try to challenge Dean with your full brain power, because you're not going to be able to break it. As you and I know, the author of the Quran is all-knowing, is smarter than you and I. So challenge it with everything that you've got. Why? To allow yourself to use your full brain power. And if your goal is to discover Allah Ta'ala's wisdom, you will find that process very satisfying. Okay. Because what is the norm in our community? Don't question anything. What is the norm in our community? If you have two choices and both are halal, the one that makes you more miserable is probably the correct choice. That's how we teach deen in our community. Good. And you and I know that it's all not correct. 
But the result is something that we've been witnessing, that I witness more and more each year, is how many people are now openly leaving the dean. You know, which is more than anything else, it's sad. That if you've been given dean, and it's not giving you what you need to get through life, people are reaching the point where they're stepping out. Here on campus. So summing up, what are we saying? that when you explore Dean as a way to guide you through the struggles of life, to guide you through the prosperities of life, <coughs> you will be given a way that will make it the easiest possible way to get through life. Because you're gonna be hit with struggle, but when you're hit with struggle, go through these steps. You're going to be hit with prosperity. The fact that you and I are sitting here is a moment of prosperity. You go through these steps like gratitude. And then what else? Keep conscious of the fact that there is a bigger picture here, that there is a day of judgment. That so many things that I've gone through, I've started so many important tasks in my life and dropped them for good reasons, dropped them for bad reasons. It's like I look back at my life and there's so many opportunities that I've squandered. And this is also part of the experience of life. Meaning, it's okay to fail in just about everything so long as you don't fail on that last day. And then the last point, my beloved brothers and sisters, use your full brain power in Dean. I'm sure if I asked our fellow teachers in this room what type of experience do you have with your Muslim students, I'm sure they would want to say that they're the best students in class, but is that the truth? That's for you and I, that's for you to decide. Anyway, I remind you what Allah Ta'ala says in the Qur'an about the Prophet وسلم, who experienced more struggle than all of us, who was a bigger genius than all of us. In Allah wa malaikatahu yusalluna ala nabi ya ayyuhalladhina amanu sallu alayhi wa sallimu taslima. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. Allahumma salli ala Muhammad wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa barik wa sallim. O Allah, we call upon you with all of your names to shower your blessings upon the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam and upon his family and upon his companions and extend the blessings and peace upon them. Rabbana atina fid dunya hasana wa fil akhirati hasana wa qina adhab nar Our Lord, our cherisher, our sustainer, grant us the best of this life and the best of the hereafter, and protect us from the fire. Subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifoon, wa salamun ala al-mursaleen, wa alhamdulillahi rabbil alameen. Aqeem as-salah. Allahu